Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, as we come to this portion of our time of worship, Lord, Lord, we recognize that yet another piece of worship is opening your word and digging into the richness of your word, learning from it, and applying it to our lives. So, Father God, I pray that you would come in this time and open our hearts, Lord. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Or may we leave this time as we study this, this final parable in the kingdom parables, Lord. Lord, show us, show us how we are to serve you. Teach us, Lord, how we are to use those gifts and talents that you have given us for your glory. May we be diligent in shining your light of glory in this world. Lord, if there's one here today, oh, certainly there are more than that. Lord, they do not know you. I pray that you would reveal that to them today, Lord. Open their eyes. Let them see. Let them come to Christ. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, open with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 25. We'll be looking at verses 14 through 30 this morning. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. We're rounding out the kingdom parables. And today we look at the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. Now, Remember here that Jesus is at the end of his ministry, his earthly ministry. In fact, if you go on to chapter 26 of Matthew's gospel, you see that Jesus uh, begins the passion narrative. Jesus is arrested. He is betrayed by uh, Judas and then arrested. And he will go on trial and then it all will end with him going to Calvary's cross. And so as Jesus is preparing his disciples for that moment, as he is getting ready to depart, and we'll see that, that kind of terminology in our parable today, as he is preparing to depart his disciples, he is preparing them for his departure. But as we've looked at at last week's parable, and again this week, uh, the last thing, the last word of advice that Jesus gives his disciples before he departs is about the kingdom to come. He is talking to them about the kingdom to come. In fact, he is talking to them about the day of the Lord, the day of his return. He is departing, but he wants to know, them to know that he is coming again, and he wants them to be ready for that day as he wants us to be ready for that day. This parable, these par last couple of parables and this parable, is all written to ensure that we are ready, that we are prepared for Jesus' return. So as we read through this, and as we study this this morning, that's the question I want you to ask yourself. Are you ready? Are you ready for the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ? Now understand that this parable is written to his disciples. He is teaching this to his disciples. There are many people who are Jesus' disciples, a lot of people there, 
There are true disciples, and there are false disciples. There are those who are truly followers of Jesus Christ, and those who are imitators, just like it is in the church today. As we read this parable, keep this in mind. This is to the, the, broader, uh, the broader field of disciples, those who are in the body, those who are in the church, including the true disciples and the imitators. And so how do you know if you're a true disciple or an imitator? We're going to see that and learn how to know that in this parable. So if you found your place there, turn with me, if you will, in reverence to the... Re- or turn with me there and stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his poverty. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me. You delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reaped where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received What was my own with interest? So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. The day of the Lord is a day of reckoning. It is a day where accounts will be settled. It is a day of judgment. You know, we have to stress that because so many people in our day don't believe that to be the case. In fact, most people, even many professing Christians, have this vision of God as, as if he were some uh, grand old grandpa. He's sitting up there and uh, once you die, it doesn't matter how you lived your life. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what you believed in. He's an old grandpa. He is just there to greet you into heaven no matter what. In fact, the majority of the world has this theology of a justification by death, as R.C. Sproul once said. Justification by death. All that you need to do to get into heaven is simply die. That's it. And so you can live however you want to, and when you get to heaven, it's okay. It's all going to be all right, because God is going to welcome you in with open arms into his kingdom. But is that, that is not the theology of Scripture. That is not the truth of God's Word. In fact, the Scripture tells us that there is a day of reckoning. A day coming in which all of us, each and every one of us, will stand before God and give an account for how we lived our lives. Believers and non-believers alike, we will all have to stand before Christ and give an account of how we lived our lives and how we used the gifts, the talents, the blessings that God has given us. We will all have to be ready for that day. We will all have to face that day. The question is, are you ready for that day? If the Lord were to return in this hour, would you be ready to stand before him? One way that we know that we're ready as Jesus teaches us in this parable, is to ask this question, am I faithfully serving Christ today? Do you want to know if you're ready? Ask that question. Am I faithfully serving Christ with my life, with my gifts, with my talents today? In fact, what this passage teaches is that true disciples of Christ do not passively wait for his return, but work diligently and energetically for his glory. Let me say that again. True disciples, that is, true members of the church, true members of God's kingdom, true followers of Jesus Christ, do not passively wait for his return, but work diligently and energetically for his glory. Glory. I thought that as, G, as uh, Jason was reading that passage this morning from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, 
It rang with me. This, this whole sermon and this message rang with me. As Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples were there just looking up at the sky. And apparently they, looked, they lingered a little too long because an angel of the Lord came down to them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you linger? Why do you stand around here and look into the sky? For he who has ascended will again descend. In other words, why he was saying, y'all break it up. Quit messing around. Yes, he is gone. He has departed, but he is coming again. Go, go, get ready. Prepare for the day. How are you doing, friend? Are you looking up at the sky? Are you making ready for that day? Are you actively, diligently working for the Lord's glory, preparing for his return? As we look at this passage this morning, this is a passage about the kingdom of heaven. As it begins, therefore, it will be like a man going on a journey. Now, what is it? What is it? It is the kingdom of heaven. He makes that clear in the previous parable. If we were reading this all at one time, then we would see that clearly. But there in verse uh, 25, verse 1, he says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. And the same thing is here. It is the kingdom of heaven. For the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave uh, five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent, each to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Now this is according, this of course is Jesus, he's preparing his disciples for his departure. He's getting them ready. He is about to be the one who has departed. He is the king of the kingdom. And wherever the king is, that is where God's kingdom is. That's where the kingdom of heaven is. So when Jesus, oftentimes when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he often is talking about himself. Other times he's talking about the whole people of God. But he is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. Uh, The master, he, he went away, but before he went away, he gave to his servants these talents. One to, to one, five talents, to one, to two talents, and to the other, one talent. So Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. He's getting them ready. He is about to leave. But he being God, he has given gifts and talents. Not just to his disciples, but to all creatures, hasn't he? All of mankind. We need to understand that. We need to make that known here. Back when we talk about talents, now uh, you remember back a few weeks ago, a few parables back, We talked a little bit about talents, and we said that one talent is worth about uh, 20 years' wage for a laborer. So for a common laborer, about 20 years' salary. Uh, Now, so what he is giving these servants, even to the servant that he gave one talent, that's a considerable sum of money. But as we look at this, what is important here is not the sum that he gives to each one, but is that he gives those talents to his servants. In fact, the word here for talents is the word from which we get our word talent, that word talent. 
And, and so as we think about this, it would almost be just as well for us to think that, of this, especially when we're talking about God the Son and, and God's gifts and talents. It is, it's better for us to think of it in those terms, not just money. Oh, God does bless some people with the ability, with the talent of, of making money. But it's, it's good to think of that in, in the terms of what we would think of as talents. You see, it's true that God gives all of his, all of, all of his people, everyone that he has made in his image and his likeness, he has given each and every one of us gifts and talents. He has blessed us with thir- certain things in our lives. Each and every one of us, he has blessed us to be born in the United States, to prosper. What reason? Why has he done this? Why has he given us that gift? Why has he given us other gifts? It could be that your gift is to sing. It could be that your gift is to to make money. It could be that your gift is to pray. It could be that your gift is to teach. Whatever it is, whatever gift and talent God has given to you, he has given it to you for a purpose. Just like he has given gifts and talents to every human being for a purpose. And that purpose is for his glory. It is to bring him glory. Now what we do with those talents tells something about who we are. If we take those talents and blow them on on self-promotion, then we show ourselves to be rebellious, sinners against God. But if we use them for his glory, it shows that we are children of the kingdom. We are like him. We long for him. We want to serve him. So now as we look at this passage then, the first truth that I want us to see here in this parable is that your service to Christ indicates your relationship with Christ. Let me say that again. Your service to Christ indicates your relationship with Christ. Take a look here at these servants. As he, this, this master uh, left these talents with his servants verse 16 says that he who who had received the five talents went out at once and traded with them and he made five talents more now in that passage you can almost see his excitement master has given me five talents i'm gonna go out at once he's running out the door He's got those talents, and he wants to please his master. So he takes off running with excitement to go serve his master and use those talents to make his his master five talents more. He is excited, and he wants to serve his master. Likewise with the one whom he gave the two talents. It says he did the same thing. He took those two talents and with excitement he ran out the door to serve his Lord. To bring his Lord glory and honor. But it says that the other servant, the one who had received one talent, the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. In comparison to, alternatively to, what the first two 
servants did. As they ran out with excitement to serve their Lord. The one to whom one talent was given, instead of doing that, he went to his house. He dug into the ground and he buried the talent. He didn't want to serve his master. He didn't want to give him any glory and honor. So he went, he dug into the ground, and he hid the, the talent. You see, what this reveals to us, this shows us that those two servants who ran out with zeal, they had a zeal to serve their Lord. It showed their relationship to their master. When they received the talents, they went out with zeal because they loved their master. They respected their master. They wanted to be approved by their master. They wanted to bring their master glory and honor. So they ran out with zeal to serve him the best way that they could. He had entrusted them with his property. He had trusted, entrusted them with these talents. And they were going to serve their master with those talents. It shows they had a love and a respect for their master. But the one who went home and buried the talent, it shows his hatred, his disgust for his master. I don't want to serve him. I don't want to bring him glory. That's hard work. I don't want to do that. So instead of going out with zeal and using what the master had given him, to honor him with, to glorify him with, he went home, dug a hole, and buried the talent. You see, how we serve the Lord, how we serve Christ, indicates our relationship with Christ. Let me tell you, dear friend, think about your own life. Think about your own. How, how are you serving the Lord with the gifts and talents, whatever they may be, how are you serving the Lord with those gifts and talents. Think about it like this. I know that we've all had that job that we really hated, right? Whether it be back in your high school days, college days, whenever, whenever it was, we probably all had a job that we just really did not like. We hated to get up in the morning. We hated to go in and clock in because it, it just didn't suit us. We just were not excited about it. We hated that job. Oh, sure, it may have been good people you're working with, but the work, you just hated the work. Let me ask you, sir, let me ask you this. Did you give your all to that job that you hated? No. Now you, now, now you might have gone in and, and worked and, and did your job and, and, and even gave it your best while you were there. I mean, that's a good character shown there to give it your best. But did you really try to excel at that job? No. Most likely you did not. You did what you had to do to get by. So that you could get to that next job that you really loved and you really enjoyed. Whether it was working through school so that you could get to that career that you had your eye on or whatever it may be, you kind of did what you could to get through, coast through, but you had your eye on that thing that you loved, that job that you loved. It's the same with our gifts and talents that we have now. Our gifts and our talents now show where our heart lies. 
If we use those gifts and talents for the Lord's glory and the Lord's honor, then that shows in our heart that we love Christ. But if we use our gifts and our talents for our own self-indulgence, our own self-promotion, own selfish reasons, then what does that show? That shows our heart. We love ourself more than we love Christ. Dear friend, how are you using your gifts and talents? Think about them. Whether it be singing, teaching, uh, whatever it may be, are you using your gifts and talents, those things that the Lord has blessed you with, Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. You don't have it because you earned it. You have it because God blessed you with it. He he gave you the right to be born here in the United States where we have great privileges. So even your career, the money that you have in the bank, everything that you have is a gift from the Lord. How are you using those gifts? How are you using those talents? Are you using them for your own self-promotion? Are you using them to glorify and honor God? Dear friend, that will tell you. Ask yourself that question. How am I using my gifts and talents? That will tell you. It's a good indicator of your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you love Him, if you seek Him, if you serve Him, you will use them for His honor and His glory. So it is that your service to Christ indicates your relationship with Christ. Second, you need to know that you cannot and will not avoid the judgment. You cannot and will not avoid the judgment. You will not avoid the day of reckoning that is to come. Look at verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now notice it says there, after a long time, it had been a long time, many days, probably many years had passed since this master had left, but now after a long time, he comes to settle those accounts. We talked about this a good bit last week, but uh, let me just reiterate that the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord's return is coming. And just because it's been 2,000 years, dear friend, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. That doesn't mean that it's never going to come. Scripture promises us that that day will come. Take, for example, when you think back to the Old Testament, how many thousands of years had it been since Abraham was given the promise through your offspring, Abraham, through your seed, will all the nations be blessed How long was it from that point when God gave that promise to Abraham to the day when the Lord came the first time? Thousands of years. Don't be fooled, dear friends. Just because it's been 2,000 years and the Lord's not back yet, that does not mean it's not going to happen. It could happen in any moment. And the day of the Lord will be a day of reckoning. It is a day of reckoning. Now these servants, they came in to settle their accounts. And to the first two servants, what does it say? 
And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, again, you can hear his excitement. He's got this, these talents in two bags. Master, Master, look, <laughs> right? He came forward with the two talents. Master, you delivered to me five talents. You delivered to me five talents. And here, here, I made you five talents more. He's excited. He's thankful his Lord's return. And now he's excited. So, Lord, look what I've done for you. Look what I've done for your glory and your honor. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, Master, you delivered to me two talents. And here, I've made you two talents more. He's excited. Lord, look what I've done for your glory. Look what I've done for your honor. And the master of that servant said the same thing well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a little I will set you over much enter into the joy of your master now as disciples are hearing this they have in in mind the eschatological promise that is the promise that is to come at the end of the age in the day when the Lord will return and he will make all things right and he will bless those who are part of his kingdom that's what they have in mind as they are hearing this and that's what Jesus is referring to on that day when the Lord returns he will come and he will judge all both the living and the dead and to those who follow him those who are faithful to him he will give his eternal joy enter into your master's joy enter the Lord will say to us into my eternal joy my eternal blessing my eternal rest see that's what the faithful servant has to look forward to the wonderful blessing of the Lord good and faithful servant well done boy good and faithful let's look at that for a moment think about those word good that word good it indicates uh, the character of these two servants they are good servants and they are faithful in their service they're diligent in their service to their master now the question is are these servants good because they work for their master or did they work for their master because they were good or you could say righteous well I think it is that they worked for their master diligently they were faithful to their master because they were good they were righteous you see on that day we will be judged for our works but we need to understand that we are not justified by our works scripture makes that clear 
We will be judged for our works. We will be judged for what we do to glorify God with our lives. But we are justified, as Scripture tells us over and over again, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's the only way that we are found righteous before Christ. But Scripture also tells us if we are righteous in Christ, then our faith, our faith that makes us righteous, our faith will indeed work. Is that not what James tells us? James chapter 2, verse 14, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, Without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. In other words, true faith, living faith in Jesus Christ is a faith that works. It goes out and works. When you come to know Christ and know his love for you, you cannot help but to go out and lovingly serve him. Not only that, God promises us that when we do come to faith, He gives us and dwells us by His Holy Spirit and enables us to go out and work for His glory. So it is that we will be judged by our works, but we're not justified by our works. We're justified by faith alone in Christ alone. Paul again says this, Romans 2, chapter 6, He, on that day, will render to each one according to his works. To those who, by patience and well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and disaster for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who do, does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. So it is that day we will be judged for our works. And those who are in Christ, we will have good works because, one, we will have the good works of Jesus Christ already credited to our account. But then we will also have the other good works that we have done through His power, through His empowerment, through the Holy Spirit in our own lives. But those who are like the third servant, let's look at him. The third servant came forward, and he said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I get scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with a banker, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. 
For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, there will be intense mourning. And this again is going to the eschatological judgment, the judgment that is to come at the end of time. This wicked servant showed his relationship to God. He is wicked evil. He is morally wicked and evil because, speaking in Christian terms, he had not received the gift of God. By grace through faith, he had not received the gift of God, the gift of salvation. He was wicked, evil, and lazy. And the judgment that comes for this servant cast him into outer darkness, cast him into hell, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there will be such an intense sense of mourning and sorrow Dear friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your life will reflect it. Because you will use the gifts and talents God has given you for self-indulgence, self-promotion, selfish reasons. Or maybe you'll just hide them away. If you love Jesus, if you receive the gift of salvation from Christ, then you will go out and you will work. You will do good. You will do good works for His glory, not your own, but for His glory. And on that day when He returns, you'll be able to stand before Him. Look, Lord. No, I haven't been perfect, but look, Lord. I tried my best. I did my best to serve you to honor you and glorify you with my life. And on that day, Jesus will say to that servant, well done, good and faithful servant. But I'm afraid there are so many in here today. You know your gifts, you know your talents, but you're using them for your own selfish reasons. Again, indicating your relationship to Jesus. And unless you make the correction, unless you turn away from that rebellious act of, of using your gifts and talents for yourself, not the glory of God, unless you repent of your sin and turn to Jesus, you will hear on that day, you wicked and lazy servant, into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dear friend, you cannot and will not avoid the judgment. When you examine your life, what do you see? A life that reflects love and zeal for Christ? Or a life that reflects rebellion? Your service to Christ indicates your relationship with Christ. And you cannot and will not avoid the judgment, but will be judged for the works you do or do not do in the name of the Lord. 
finally, friend, I want you to see this. You need to understand this, that on that day, on that day of judgment, all excuses, all excuses will be useless before God. When you stand before Christ, all excuses will be absolutely useless in your defense for your life. Back up again into verse 24 and look what that servant says to his master. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him. Listen to this. The master does not confirm or affirm what this wicked servant says. He said, you wicked, you evil and lazy servant. And this is a question here. You knew? You can almost hear the sarcasm in his tone. You knew? Throw up the hand quotes, right? You knew? This about me, did you? You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter. No, see, you knew these things about me? This is actually what you thought about me? This is how you think that I am? That I'm this kind of servant? You knew me to be a hard man? If this is what you thought of me, wicked and slothful servant, if this is what you thought of me, then you would have at least, if this is truly what you thought of me, then you would have at least gone out and invested my money so that I could at least have my money with the interest that I could have made in the bank. But you didn't do that. So you didn't know this about me. You're just making excuses. You're making excuses. And here's what I'm going to do with your excuse. Your excuse is useless. Get away from me into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be a lot of people on that day who will stand up before the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, did I not do this? Did I not do that? Lord, Lord, but what about this? What about that? They will make excuse upon excuse upon excuse. But the Lord knows their heart. He knows what's inside of them. There will be many, Scripture tells us, who will stand before him and say, Lord, Lord. And the Lord will look down at them and say, get away from me, you wicked, evil, lazy servant. I never knew you. There are many people in the church, dear friends, Many people who profess with their lips to be servants of Jesus Christ. But with their life, they show another story. And yes, they will stand before God and they will give an excuse. But Lord, didn't I come to church every Sunday, every time the doors were open? Didn't, wasn't I there? But Lord... Didn't I tithe when, I, when the plate came around? Didn't I put money in the offering plate? But Lord, didn't I give to all the missions offerings? But Lord, but Lord, but Lord. And he will look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you. Dear friend, look at your life. Examine your life now. 
Your excuses will do no good in eternity. Your excuses will do no good when you stand before the Lord. What does your life tell you about your relationship with Jesus Christ? Does it show you to be a faithful servant who loves the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Does your life show you to love Jesus and want to serve him? Want to live for him? Or does your life say that you are the king of your life and you are the Lord of your life? Are you living for yourself? Or are you living for God's glory? When you answer that question, you will know whether or not you are ready for that day when the Lord returns. If friend, are you ready? Are you prepared to meet Jesus Christ? Are you ready to stand before Him? Oh, I know that there's so many things that I can think of my own life. There's so many more things I, I could have done. None of us are, are going to serve Him perfectly because we still have that sin of, that seed of sin in our life. But when you look at your life, can you see in your life a desire to serve the Lord? Not as a duty, but as a love for your Lord. Are you zealous for the Lord? Are you zealous for His glory? Do you long to see Him and serve Him? What does your life say about your relationship with Jesus? Does it reflect love and respect for Christ or hate and contempt for Him? Are you ready to stand before Christ or and give an account for your life? Are you ready for that day? When, will you enter into the Lord's joy? Or will you be cast into outer darkness? What does your life say about you? True disciples of Christ do not passively wait for his return, but diligently and energetically live for his glory. How is your life, dear friend? Does your life confirm that you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ? If, you, if it does not, then you need to know that God is not a hard God. He is not a hard taskmaster. In fact, God shows his love for us in this man manner. That he sent his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, to be born of the Virgin Mary, and to live a life that none of us could ever live, a life of perfect obedience to the Father's will. And though Jesus was without sin, the Father sent him to Calvary's cross to die on that cross, to die a sinner's death in your place and in mine. He raised him up again three days later to show that every ounce of sin had been paid for in full. There's no sin, there's no sense of rebellion, no part of rebellion needed left to be paid for Jesus paid it all God offers you the gift of complete righteousness complete salvation in Jesus 
Today your life may tell you that you are self-serving, self-seeking, a rebellious, wicked servant of God. But you can make today be the day of salvation by simply turning to Jesus. Surrender your life to Christ. And here's what Christ will do for you. He will change you. He will change your desires. No longer to live self-seeking, selfish lives, but he will give you a desire for his glory, a desire to serve him. The day can be the day that you make ready for his return by trusting in Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you give us your word to, to teach us and to, to show us, Lord, how can we test ourselves? How can we know? How can we know that we're ready for your return? And one way we can know, know is through our diligent service, our loving service for you. For that, Lord, it doesn't save us, but it shows that we are saved. It doesn't make us righteous, but it shows that we are in the one who does make us righteous. Oh Lord, today I know there's some here. They're examining their lives today. They're seeing a life full of self-indulgence, self-promotion, selfish life, self-centered life. Lord, I pray that your word has pierced their hearts and turned their eyes to Jesus. Oh Lord, change them. Make them a part of your kingdom. Make them ready for that day. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.